What's on your mind these days when it comes to growing revenue, building your reputation, and connecting with customers? It might be interesting and helpful to compare your priorities to what top marketing leaders across the U.S. are similarly thinking and worrying about. The go-to resource for the pulse of chief marketing officers is the CMO Survey. We welcome the founder and director of that CMO Survey, Professor Christine Mormon of Duke University's Fuqua School of Business on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow. By talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations. Those are the ones that generate by far the most and most effective word of mouth. That means improvements in revenue, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I do that through consulting, coaching, professional speaking, and advisory work. On this program, we discuss three foundational components for managing your message. One, the message itself, meaning the words, stories, and evidence you want your marketplace to know about. Two, your messengers, the network of people who can help you share that message. And three, management habits that will shape your culture and turn your improvements into an everyday business advantage. My new book is now available from Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, and the audio version on Audible. You can also find a sample, the introduction and first chapter, on my website, jimcard.com, in case you want to try before you buy. We bring all of this together for you because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. Our guest today knows a lot about marketing strategy, consumer behavior, and innovation. She also works with a lot of chief marketing officers from around the world. As much as anyone, she has a clear view into marketing leaders and what's on their minds. Dr. Christine Mormon is the T. Austin Finch Senior Professor of Marketing at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. She is the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Marketing, an award-winning author, researcher, and teacher, and notably is also the founder and director of the CMO Survey. That CMO Survey is now into its second decade of operation. It is conducted twice per year, is the longest-running survey dedicated to understanding the field of marketing. Basically, it is the objective source for learning what's on the minds of chief marketing officers and other marketing leaders. So let's learn about what top marketing leaders are thinking and perhaps what we ought to be thinking about that. Professor Christine Mormon, welcome to the Manager Message Podcast. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I know that busy times, you have a new edition of the CMO survey that's just been released. In addition to all that work with the Journal of Marketing and everything else that you have going on. You know, it's interesting, I think, as well, to look at both the snapshot, the most recent results of the CMO survey, but also put them into the context of a moving picture from the last few years and looking forward. One of the things, uh, Dr. Mormon, that the last few years have been full of big changes and disruption from marketing leaders, definitely a moving target. These have been generally rather heady economic times. There was a point earlier in 2019 where marketers' level of optimism seemed to be down a bit. Where 
does the general tone uh, of marketing leaders seem to be today? So in the prior survey in February of 2019, we saw chief marketing officer optimism drop to a score of 57, which to put that in perspective, we measure that on a scale between zero and 100, where zero is the least optimistic and 100 is most optimistic. And in February of 2009, back in the, you know, during the recessionary period, the score was about 47.7. And that's climbed over time to highs of close to 70. And so this drop that we saw in the prior period, February 2019 to 57, was actually a fairly negative sign that people were worried. There was a fair amount of uncertainty about what was going to go on in markets, how this would affect consumer behavior, how it would affect the dynamics of markets, et cetera. That's risen just slightly to 59.8 in the most recent surveys. So I would say that overall marketers are not very confident about the overall economy. I think they're probably more confident about what's going on within their own companies. So the uncertainty is more on what's happening around them as opposed to the fundamentals of what's happening within their companies, which for marketers appear to be actually, you know, on the stronger side. And certainly there's been a lot of discussion and prediction and maybe some occasional hand-wringing in the larger environment about the possibility of a recession and, and what when that might happen and, the, and to what degree. So that would seem, I guess, to make some sense in terms of whether you're looking at the forces that would affect your growth coming at you from the outside versus how things are going inside your own organization. Does that seem to be the, the cause of where CMOs might be not as optimistic as they might have been a couple of years ago? Absolutely. I think that that's my view of this as well. Because if you look at other fundamentals, we see that spending on marketing is continuing to rise. So for example, marketers spent, there was an actual change in marketing budgets in the last year of 6.3%. They expect that to rise to 8.7%, which is a sizable increase. And for me, most noteworthy is the fact that marketing budgets as a percent of firm budgets match their highest level in the history of the survey at 12%. So those numbers have been as low as 9.4%, but they have consistently climbed over the course of, and we've only been measuring that since 2011, but up to this high of 12% of firm budget, which means that marketing is taking a larger share, a larger and larger share, 12% now of the overall firm's budget. Now, of course, probably marketers would like that number to be higher, but I think it is. it does show us that there is an emphasis, a greater emphasis being put on, on marketing activities within the organization. Interesting. So continuing to get a larger share of the pie. And here we talk a lot about building a message, marketing efforts to drive growth. And I know growth is also a major topic of the CMO survey each time. I find it interesting, uh, Chris, where marketing leaders are setting those growth priorities. And uh, as part of this, you and your team ask CMOs whether those priorities are more for new products and services versus existing products and services. And at the same time, compared to new markets versus existing markets, essentially a two-by-two two matrix way of looking at the world. So is that changing as well? Where, where are CMOs looking for growth in terms of the new versus the existing stuff and the new versus existing, uh, yeah, new versus existing buyers? 
it's it's a very good question. And I, I can't take credit for what is called the product market growth matrix. So this actually has been around since 1954. It was first published in the Harvard Business Review by a strategy researcher, Igor Ansoff. And Ansoff's matrix, this two by two that you've described, is really, an, I think, a very nice way of capturing you know, how much risk marketers are willing to take when they're trying to grow companies. And so, of course, if you stick with existing products and services and existing markets, this is this very, not very, very risky strategy of market penetration. But if you go after new products and services and, you know, selling them in new to new markets, then you're much more in the realm of diversification. And then there are, you know, the two other cells as well. So what's always been interesting to me about this finding is that marketers spend approximately, in the most recent survey, 54%. And it's always been between 50 and 55% of their budgets, their growth budgets on market penetration, which means they're trying to sell more of their products and services to existing customers. And that's a perfectly rational thing to do, right? Because these are the customers you know well. They know you. They know your products and services. You know your products and services. So you can go about doing this in a very you know, efficient way. I think the risk is that when you don't go after those new markets, which we call market development, or you don't go after the opportunity to create new products and services and to grow through their development, you know, you start to essentially limit the future opportunity for your firm to grow because you're, you know, at some point you will sell <laughs> unless you're in an unlimited market, which for most companies, that's not the case. So you, I think to think about, you know, how we can take some types of risk, you know, develop new products and new services. So product and service development in the most recent survey was only about 22%. Market development, about 15%. That varies a little bit by the sector. Some sectors tend to take a little bit more risk. And B2C services, for example, like retail banking, for example, they take a lot less risk. They take 60% of their spending is on market penetration. And other companies like B2C product companies at 50%. So they are taking a little bit more risk in these other areas. I think it's generally a challenge to think about how to divide your growth budget up into these four categories. And I would say to probably take a little bit more risk just to put yourself in a position where you can capitalize on future opportunities as they're developing. It's an interesting, as you say, interesting way to look at growth opportunities, investment, kind of your near-term versus longer-term horizon. You were speaking about, say, retail banking as one of the areas that tends to focus more traditionally on market penetration. And yet there's been a lot of change, certainly, in that that world, speaking to some banking groups. And and I, I mentioned that because they have to evolve rather quickly. There's been competition from fintechs and trying to bring in new technologies to improve the customer experience. You found in this latest edition of the CMO survey, again, I was a bit surprised by this. You ask a number of questions specific to CX or customer experience, and marketing leaders generally don't seem to think their organizations are doing such a great job with this right now. That's absolutely right. When we ask them to rate how well they think their company performs on, I think there are 12 different key activities that are involved with customer experience management. 
and had them rate their own companies relative to the competition, the only one that they rate as superior is assuring that customer experiences are compatible with their brand, which makes sense. I mean, that should be the bread and butter of marketing, right? That you're thinking about how to create the customer experience so that it essentially tells the brand story. But there are so many areas in here that are weak the most problematic, for example, is in areas like coordinating different aspects of the organization to design, manage, deliver, and monitor the customer experience. So getting you know, operations and HR, sales, service, customer service to all cooperate around this objective, that seems to be incredibly difficult for organizations. And there's a host of other points that we describe in the results. But I would say the overall conclusion is that marketers do not feel that they are, when they benchmark themselves against the competition, they do not feel very confident. And when we, what we did was we crossed the, this evaluation of how well they're doing with what they think are the most difficult things to do. And the two that really rose to the surface in our evaluation there were this broader issue of developing the necessary capabilities inside the organization, again, to design, deliver, and monitor the customer experience. So this whole idea of developing some knowledge and skills that are deeply embedded within the organization, that's what we mean when we talk about capabilities that can repeatedly allow the organization to perform a certain task effectively. They're saying that's very difficult for them and they're performing very poorly relative to the competition. That's one. The second is integrating all of the touch points seamlessly across the entire customer journey. So, you know, making that something that where the customer really does feel that this is very clear what's going on and that all those touch points, with many of which the, the focal marketer may not even control because they may be working through a retailer or a distributor who actually owns that touch point, you know, who they've sort of contracted with to, to deliver that touch point, but for whom they, or for which they don't have very much control. So I think they find that incredibly difficult. That's where we point to the opportunity for marketers to really dig in and, and work on resolving these questions. You're exactly right about that. It just it strikes me in seeing experiences are around some, whether it be an on, even, uh, say, an online merchant that's delivering physical goods, especially those things that need education, setup, installation, maintenance, and anything, just the whole set of different products and services that customer experience is typically associated with marketing, and yet marketing can't deliver across all of those potential touch points, online, offline, mm -hmm. and everything in between. That's right. That's right. It's very, very challenging. And a lot of it is business to business relationships, or it's figuring out how to you know, communicate more effectively with consumers, even as they travel through these touch points, which can be for many marketers, a very vast journey that the customers and for vast and often convoluted journey that the customers going on. Yeah, we are as consumers, we're just messy and weird, aren't we? Because <laughs> we're skipping <laughs> between platforms and touch points and, and we don't go through our decision cycles necessarily in a uninterrupted path. It is, and it gets to the area and, Another area that you study in the CMO survey, which is all about analytics and technology, I noticed 
then perhaps this is related that there is continues to be more spending on analytics, and yet uh, I think marketers and companies across the you know across the enterprise, the impact on performance is still a bit muddy right now. That's correct. Well, we see this in a lot of areas of marketing where I would say marketers are kind of investment spending. You know, they're spending on the hope that the contributions will ultimately pay off. Some of these things are very difficult to see the payoff. We can talk about mobile and social. Marketing analytics, what we've seen here is that there's been, I think through the 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, there was a fairly flat growth rate in these on marketing analytics. But then really from February of 2017, we have seen a climb up from 4.6% of marketing budgets spent on analytics up to 7.2. And that number is expected to increase to 11.6% of marketing budgets in the next three years. So the hopes are high, people are spending, but you're right, there's the contributions remain, I would say, probably not where marketers would like. So on a scale from one to seven, uh, where seven is very highly, the, the, the contributions are very high, and one is not at all, we see a score of about 4.1. So some sectors do better. The B2C sector on a lot of marketing areas, they tend to be out in front in terms of the contributions that they think they're getting from various marketing expenditures. But we, we definitely need to see those numbers improve. And and one area that we have seen improvement in is in the area of the use of quantitative metrics to demonstrate the impact of marketing. And that's one area where we have seen a consistent rise in the marketer's ability to prove the impact of marketing spending quantitatively, which is, of course, the, the gold standard. That's what everybody wants, to be able to figure out their returns, to figure out if I spend a dollar here, what will the impact be versus a dollar there. And so we see that number rising really to the highest level that we've seen in the history of the CMO survey. It's still only a little over 40%, but I think I'm encouraged by the fact that um, it has risen over time. This isn't an issue that you ask about explicitly in the CMO survey, but I'm just wondering from your experience in seeing the changing and I think more elevated and more complicated role of the CMO over time. I can think to a somewhat simpler time when a lot of the metrics around marketing effectiveness were communication and brand metrics. And I think I think I've seen over time that there's that plus. So there's that plus learning to speak and uh, operate in a uh, financial language as well to be able to show those sorts of things. Uh, marketing leaders have now need to become not just conversant, but really know what they're doing in terms of technology investments as well. Are you just in general seeing that they got to have a, an elevated sense of speaking a broader language, showing uh, more accountability and really understanding more about the business drivers? Absolutely. We see that in the across a number of the surveys, surveys where we've asked different versions of that question, that marketers expect themselves to perform at this function. It's definitely something that CEOs want from them. They want them to be able to sort of speak the language of the C-suite. So it's not really enough just to talk about market share or even the value of the brand, which are important, but to speak to the bottom line, or at least to speak to revenue growth. And that is something that we definitely, I mean, that's something we work on as we teach MBA students. It's, it's something that I see marketers striving for. And, and one way that 
I asked about in the, the, the prior survey that I can share with you that I think is important is that we see that about a third of marketers say that they, they regularly use experimentation to understand the impact of their spending. So that might be through some kind of A-B testing. It may be through other kinds of experiments that they do. But the idea is to actually do some kind of randomization where you give, you know, maybe one market a certain marketing approach and you give another market a different marketing approach. And, you know, those are matched so that they're equivalent. And you look to see, you know, what happened in those markets. So being a lot more systematic about trying to understand that you can, you can use statistics to resolve some of these issues. But really the gold standard for understanding kind of the causal effect of marketing is going to rest with experimentation. And being able to think through what those experiments should be, how they contribute to top line as well as cost savings and efficiencies, it, it makes a lot of sense. It, 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 there was a time in the past, message managers were, I, I think, the, the modal way of doing things is you put together a promotional campaign or some other initiative and you run it through and then you try to figure out what happened mm-hmm. after the fact. And now I think it's the desire to move more quickly, to be more uh, proactive and to be more systematic, as you say, to try to do things in where you can adjust more quickly and you can also demonstrate more directly uh, the impact on the business. I was going to ask in a similar way because I also want to cover there's some fascinating areas in terms of marketers and their views of the political social world and, and the impact that they have and the skill level of, of their staff etc. But as long as we're talking about experimentation and uh, technology and all of that, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation certainly is getting a lot of attention. And you're seeing within the CMOs that you talk to, you're seeing an uptick in that. And maybe you could discuss a little bit about where those investments are and where are marketers using AI and machine learning? We absolutely see this increase in the, when we ask marketers, to what extent is your company implementing artificial intelligence or machine learning into its toolkit? Uh, we see this number rising from prior survey, which was a score of 1.93, which what does that mean? That's on a scale of one to seven, where one is not at all and seven is very highly. We see that rising to 2.44% which is a 26% reported increase. That's a probably, I haven't done the actual T statistics, but I, I just looking at it and looking at the standard deviations, I can tell you that's probably a significant increase. And then that number is expected to rise up to, to a 3.89, which again is a, a very large increase. That's almost a 50% increase that we see rising up in the next three years. So marketers are using these tools and that's one of the ways that they can they can be more efficient and also more accurate because the systems are doing some of the work for them. So what are some of the areas that they're using AI? What, when we asked this question in the prior survey, they, they referred to three areas in particular that really dominated their use of AI. One is in the area of content personalization. The second is in generating customer insights using predictive analytics. And then the third is in targeting decisions. So figuring out which markets to target and maybe the value of those markets, et cetera. So in some some sectors do a lot better. Again, B2C services companies really dominate on a lot of these metrics. 
But overall, those are the three that, that really do rise up. And you know, blockchain, which is an, another area of technology that we could talk about, that's risen, that's really not risen very much compared to what it was the last time we asked it, which I think was a year ago. Some companies are using it more. Companies that have a greater percentage of their sales through the internet use more blockchain than, than others. But, but overall, that is not growing as fast as AI and machine learning. But I think it will over time. It's just going to diffuse a little bit more slowly because there are some complexities associated with it. Do you anticipate that for blockchain that will get more traction faster for companies that depend on payments and authentication over time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we see, I think, communications and media company, technology companies, retail and wholesale are the are the largest future blockchain users. So I think that's consistent with what you, you've just said. Hmm. Let's take a look at something that's broader and to some would say softer in, in its approach, but really important. A couple of areas where you ask questions on the CMO survey. Uh, one is about companies taking stands, public stands on uh, political and social issues. And then I think um, in a related way, you also ask CMOs and marketing leaders about how they perceive the contribution of marketing overall to societal affairs to environmental affairs, which has been an, uh, certainly an area of focus for some time. Could you share a little bit about uh, those? I know they're separate yet a, a bit related, especially to start perhaps with, I mean, we see with examples like Nike and the Colin Kaepernick campaign and some others, but where do CMOs tend to land? Are there things that they're worried about? We're taking more public stances. Are there areas where you see that changing? So what we see in the survey results is that in response to the question, do you believe it's appropriate for your brand to take a stance on politically charged issues, that number, the number of firms that are willing to do so has increased from about 17% two years ago, or a little over two years ago, to about 26.5%. So I would say that's a, that's a sizable increase. I didn't know if this would increase over time. I think it's something where you know, firms feel that they need to be, I think, relatively conservative in their choice to take a stand. And we can talk about whether that's a wise thing. I think there probably are times when it's better to stay out of the fray. But I would say there's probably two conditions under which you might want to jump in. First, if the issue is very central to your brand and where you can actually where taking a stand would be very brand consistent. So Patagonia, for example, when they took a stand on a national park issue, that was very consistent with their environmental positioning. And they've done this in a number of ways, but that was one that was very politically charged where they could have stayed out, uh, but they didn't. And I think the other thing that's important about these actions is that they are done very authentically and consistently over time. So this can't really be a one-off. You can't step into the arena and then back out easily. I think, if, you know, first of all, it would, be very, it would be viewed as very inauthentic, especially by Gen Z customers. But I think even most people would say they're just being, the company's being very opportunistic. So I think it needs to be very thought through very carefully about whether this is something over the long run that we would like to put our shoulder behind and be part of in terms of the, the social 
milieu that's going on around us, which, you know, companies are a big part of, of the socio-political environment and they do have a role. And we could talk more about that broader role, but that's basically what we see that there are more companies that are willing to do it. That And also B2C business to consumer companies are m- more likely than B2B companies, which I think makes sense that there will be more topics, more areas of greater kind of public concern, perhaps to these B2C companies. They're also more exposed publicly overall as well. A lot of B2B companies might work behind the scenes. But I think for B2B companies, it might be worthwhile to think about some areas where because there are fewer companies doing it, where they could stand out and get behind a topic that's a big part of their their business. And that might be something that their customers or their customers' customers really do care about. Interesting. It, it would seem to be an area that could be strategically a way to, to stand out and to have greater connections and greater greater visibility. And I guess to some extent, this also might relate to this other issue about how marketing leaders view marketing's influence and contribution to broader societal and environmental protection issues. What were you learning from the CMO survey in that regard? We've been asking this question since February of 2011. And when we ask companies, or excuse me, chief marketing officers to rate their company on whether their marketing benefits society, or whether they're able to minimize the impact of marketing on the ecological environment, which seem to be pretty basic things. They're sort of the entry point for any of these other activities. The scores really have not changed very much. The benefiting society has changed, has only risen from 3.2 on a five point scale and to a 3.4, which basically is not much shift at all. In the ecological environment, we essentially see no change. So marketers are not really making any headway within their organizations in terms of these societal metrics. I'm not exactly sure why. I'm not sure what the sources of resistance are, because I think the tide has turned publicly on these things. I think more people understand that companies do have a societal role. It's obviously not perhaps the role of other important institutions, but I think business can play an enormously important role in creating a better world. If you think of all of the institutions, so I'm going to contradict a little bit of what I just said, but if you think about all of the institutions that exist, they are the institution with perhaps the greatest resources, the greatest horsepower, you know, all of the innovation that business can bring. So I think business leaders are starting to, but I would, I would love to see some movement on these metrics as a sign that marketing is playing a role in the contributions that business can make to society. Agreed. There's um, at least one more bigger topic I'd love to touch on a little bit. It's something you've, again, been covering for years in the CMO survey. And it's the view of marketing leaders about the people within their own organizations, the skill levels and, and where you continue to be able to raise the level, find the people, keep the people that you want. I'm sure that there's going to be some overlap over time in terms of uh, automation and uh, how that's used to either augment or replace some human activity inside marketing organizations. But could you talk a bit about where in a tight market for talent in the U.S., where do marketing leaders 
what do they think about the skill level of the people that are in their organizations and are they working themselves to try to continue to keep that high? Or are they looking outside of their companies for that help? What are they thinking? So the results show that marketers intend to grow their marketing hires by about 6.2% in the next year. And that's a that's a about average, I would say, that we see over time. What's interesting is to look at exactly where they're growing and, and what kinds of talent that they're looking for. So when we asked a few surveys ago, what skills will you be prioritizing when you're hiring marketing talent, which was really interesting is that the most important skill was creativity at 25% of firms reporting that. Second was MarTech experience, a marketing technology platform experience, and then natural leadership abilities as well. So, and that, that was over and above things like data science background or financial acumen, which I expected to actually rise to the top. But maybe those are just considered to be not so uh, extraordinary because they expect people to have those. So creativity was, was reported to be a big deal when we asked this question. And I, I don't expect it would have changed very much in the last year or so. And when we asked them about, you know, how much outsourcing, so just thinking about, you know, where marketers are coming from, are they, are they hiring them? Are they outsourcing? Marketers outsource about the percent change in outsourcing is about 3.9%. So it's, you know, it's not a big part of marketing. And so if, if folks are interested in that. And then finally, looking at, you know, where marketers are hiring their new employees from, we asked about a variety of different kinds of sources. The result that I found very interesting here was that they reported that they were hiring about 35% from companies in other industries, which was the highest percentage that we saw when we asked about the source. And so what that means is that they're looking for skills, novel skills that are perhaps strong in one, in, you know, a different industry that they can bring to their business. And we see, you know, we see technology companies doing this, for example, hiring B2C customer uh, marketers. So that's, that's another source difference that we see that actually surprised me quite a bit. That's interesting. And, and certainly an area that we have poked and prodded at a bit here on, on this podcast is the relationship between, as you say, creativity, innovation, and industry thinking, which can hold back. So perhaps in that search for creativity, there's an overlap in terms of finding people that have a different perspective. And as you say, a different experience, a different way of looking at the business. That'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Just looking ahead. So if we're having this conversation in a, a year or two and looking at more results of the CMO survey, do you, any thoughts about what topics will continue to be hot and what will continue to be a priority? And are there others here that you think are maybe will lessen a little bit in focus? So I think the issue of technology will continue to loom very large for, for marketers. It's something that the results that I shared with you about AI are definitely something that the, the trends will stay in that area. In fact, one result that I didn't share with you around the human capital pieces, how these new technologies are replacing marketing employees. And that number is expected to rise considerably over the next three years. So I think this will become an issue for marketers, especially in a tight labor market. If they can't hire 
you know, new marketers necessarily, they may end up adopting technologies to do some of that work. So I expect new technologies, AI, even blockchain, which we saw was slow out of the gate in this last survey, I expect that to accelerate quite a bit. We've also seen a lot of growth. If your listeners want to look at other topics in the survey around mobile and social, we've seen consistently strong spending in those areas. In the last survey, and excuse me, over the last five surveys, we've seen much stronger, consistent growth in the mobile area over social. And I think that points to some of the negative press that social's getting around privacy issues, et cetera. I mean, mobile has these things as well, but I think the bigger media blasts have been around the, in the social area. I think yeah, those are areas where I think we'll, we'll probably see an, I think an even greater emphasis on mobile and probably perhaps a declining interest or a flattening interest in social as people realize that there are some limitations to be able to reach and nurture relationships through social media. It's not as probably as effective as, or it's, and it's harder to do that than, than folks realize. I expect brand will continue to stay something that marketers believe is, you know, in, incredibly important in their businesses. It's the number one area of responsibility within the organization that marketing owns for, for most companies. And it's an area where we've seen consistently, you know, strong spending levels. In the next survey, I actually intend to ask a bunch of new questions about kind of the challenges of brand management, just like we did with customer experience in this survey. So that's an area where I think there's more digging to be done. And we would like to go after that in the survey to get some additional insights. She is Professor Christine Mormon of Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the founder and director of the Chief Marketing Officer Survey. This has been fascinating and uh, really appreciate it. Where can our listeners follow you and keep track of not just this hot off the presses edition of the CMO survey, but upcoming releases as well? They can find everything that they need at cmosurvey.org. All of our past reports are there free of charge, which you can download and we do analysis. I also post regular updates on Forbes and Twitter and LinkedIn if your listeners are interested in some of my analysis. Uh, but everything is up there free of charge, thanks to our sponsors, which are Duke University and Deloitte and uh, the American Marketing Association. This has been great. We will make sure all of those links are in our show description. And just as a side note, message manager listeners, you probably can't even fathom how much in demand at this moment <laughs> Professor Christine Mormon is. So we're recording this on a Sunday because the only time we could wedge that part in. I really appreciate you coming on to the Manager Message podcast and spending a little time with us in the midst of all this craziness. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. Interesting stuff from the latest edition of the CMO survey and how it relates to results over the past, gosh, over a decade now and looking ahead to what's important to marketing leaders. I think it's interesting whether you are a solo professional, you're in a smaller organization or a big enterprise, these issues about protecting your brand, uh, dealing with social issues, where you lend your voice or don't into those, talent, technology, 
delivering on customer experience and how a lot of these marketing leaders say, this is really hard. We're not doing a great job right now. All of these issues are pretty common across industries and across different kinds of organizations. I hope you learned from that, as did I. I'm so pleased that you join the Manager Message podcast, whether you are a returning message manager or many of you, this is your first time in. We continue to build momentum in this program. That's because so many of you have been recommending us to friends and colleagues and leaving those five-star ratings. That makes it easier for other professionals to find us and for the podcast to grow. If you haven't yet done so, please take just a few seconds, make sure you tap subscribe and offer your rating and review. I hope you also check out my new book. It's called The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business, brought to you through Career Press. It's available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. There's also another messaging resource that's available to you absolutely free, one you can read each week, called The Message Manager Memo. Comes to your email inbox. It's a brief read with something you can put to work right away. You can sign up at my website, jimcar.com. That's K-A-R-R-H. And while you're there, you likely know of a professional association or a company that is full of people looking for ways to improve their professional conversations and to grow the business. You'll find on my website programs tailored for association meetings when people are gathered to try to find ways to grow and to build connections, as well as for corporate audiences and events, whether they be focused on new employees, managers, executives, partners, or all of the above. To find out more, you can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com, and we can set up a time to talk by phone if you like. My direct number is also on the website, and I would be very pleased to hear from you. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.